Hello and welcome into episode 43 of the Stop the Bus Show. I'm your host, Mark Harris, coming at you solo today. Colton uh, will be back next week. And another interesting thing about our next show next week is that we will have Arizona Varsity publisher Ralph Amston on the show. He's also uh, worked for Devil's Digest in the past and hosts uh, Sun Devil Devil, uh, Twitter Spaces basically every week, every other week. And so he's a, uh, a good source for ASU information. Um, and it'll be fun to have him on the show next week. So watch for that. That should be uh, Thursday or Friday of next week. So we'll have a three-person show and uh, should be good talking about some of the more uh, intricate uh, details about ASU football, maybe some big picture topics with Ralph Amston. Um, please like and subscribe. You know what to do on YouTube, rate and review on your favorite podcast app of choice. That helps the show, uh, or so I've been told. Um, And let's get rolling. All right. Uh, ASU just keeps adding recruits. You know, today they got a commitment from Rodney Bimage Jr. I believe I'm pronouncing that name correctly. He is a... Three-star cornerback out of Dickinson, or three-star defensive back out of Dickinson, Texas. Um, He is so far their fifth Texas recruit, which I find to be very interesting so far in the process. Um, And, you know, normally, look, a three-star recruit, not the, you know, not the biggest thing to write home about in, uh, in comparison to the whole recruiting aspect or the whole grand scheme of recruiting, but... I think it's very interesting to see who Bimage chose to go to eight chose the schools Bimage was recruited by, but he didn't go to, I, I messed that up royally. Uh, he, he was recruited by Florida, Texas A&M, TCU. I believe Georgia was in on him. So this isn't some three-star guy that's considering, you know, Washington state, Purdue, uh, Texas Tech and ASU, he's been, he's getting recruited by some very high level schools. So I think that's an important kind of distinction uh, in comparison to maybe some other uh, lower end or mid tier recruits. Um, and this is a big win for ASU. I mean, like I just mentioned, a lot of school schools wanted him, um, and just continuing that uh, the pattern of getting establishing relationships in Texas and getting kids from Texas. Uh, ASU also, you know, 2024 commit Zechariah Sample says post today that he is ending his recruitment, meaning uh, he's 100% committed to ASU, no more visits anywhere else. Uh, So that's a good sign as well, but uh, it's just another good step, excuse me, uh, that ASU can land Rodney Bimage Jr. He okay, three-star defensive back. I said corner, but uh, basically the same thing. Just uh, just a good pickup. Um, and uh, you know, we're going to talk about some of these other recruits too. But uh, his addition to the 2024 recruiting recruiting class moves ASU up to 32nd overall in the rivals rankings on 24/7. I think they were 45th. So, you know, little different based on your recruiting service of choice, but to be in the 37 range, like 
or sorry. Well, I guess if you kind of average it out, maybe 37, but to be 32 on rivals at this point, again, it's nothing to like hang a banner about or brag about in some huge way, but compared to where we were in the past, when basically the last staff just waved the white flag on recruiting, it's a much bigger step and it gives you room to have a top 25 class, right? Like it's not inconceivable for, let's just say ASU gets five more three stars and three, four stars or higher in their 2024 class. I'm just throwing those numbers out there. Then you could end up as, as a top 25 class and to have that in uh, Dillingham's first full year of recruiting would be very, uh, that, that would be a really good step um, coming from, you know, a three and nine season previously. Bimage was not the only addition to ASU's recruiting hall in the past week since I last spoke with y'all. Um, they also picked up Los Angeles Loyola High School offensive lineman Champ Westbrooks. First of all, what an incredible name. I mean, I give credit to his parents for naming him Champ and then actually having him, you know, be a Division One football player. I wonder how many champs out there are just, you know, working in 95 like me. So parents got the name right. Champ Westbrook's a fantastic name. Uh, good size, 6'4", 265. Um, you know, a good frame to continue uh, to put on weight in college. Um you know, and adding more on the line, you know, this is a, he's a big, you know, he's a big guy and AS, you know, ASU is going to need big guys on the offensive line. So this is a little different though. So he, this is more the opposite of a Rodney Bimage because uh, Champ Westbrooks is also a three-star recruit. Uh, but he was the only other power five school that had been recruiting him according to 24 seven Um you know, in a strong way was Louisville among his top five. So you got USC, Oregon State in there too, but they didn't offer him. Louisville, the, the only schools that offered him were ASU, Nevada, Colorado State, UNLV, and Louisville. So it's a little different, but if you're going to take a chance on a guy like that, you know, have it be someone who is has the physical size to potentially grow into being an effective uh, power five football player. So great name. Um, excited to have him on board. It's another good addition for this staff. And then they added another guy who is from, sorry, I'm kind of zipping around all these recruiting sites. Um, they added Ramar Williams. He is from Mesa. He is a three-star on Rivals, and he has listed with no stars at all on 24-7. Um, so, which I find odd because he's he's got the size. He's a, a 6'3", 250 defensive lineman from Eastmark High School in Mesa, um, according to rivals is really only his other only school interest was Northern Arizona, which is odd. This look, this is a huge, obviously the ASU staff thinks this is a huge under the radar guy. Um, you know, 
huge in more ways than one because he's a big guy, but um, he's committed to. So you add another Arizona guy. Um, it's, it's really looking like this staff is obviously uh, Texas is clear that they're focusing in on Texas, um, but they continue to get uh, under the radar Arizona guys, um, get guys in early and, you know, they're, they're not beholden to the star ratings either. Uh, I mean, look, according, he, he's a three-star on Rivals, but on 24-7, he doesn't even have no stars. So it's him, Mason Fleming, who we mentioned last week, along with James Giggy. Uh, but all of those all of those guys have size. You know, all those guys are in the 6'3", 250 range. So, sure, they may not be the most high-profile recruits, but it's not like... They're six foot one, two twenty defensive linemen reckon reckon it in high school, but have no chance to succeed at the upper level. These are big dudes, you know. These are these are you know maybe not uh, the best of the best. I mean, they're not five star recruits or anything, but six three two fifty coming out of high school that's a good start, you know. So uh, Ramar Williams is the next uh, addition on that front. Uh, before we go into a huge 2025 commitment, I do want to mention that ASU picked up a transfer, uh, that being linebacker Juwan Mitchell from Tennessee. So he's a sixth-year guy. Um, he had played I just one year at Tennessee uh, before – oh, no, two years at Tennessee, but started one year at Tennessee uh, last year. And before that, he had played at Texas. So he's been around the block. Um, started, it looks, I'm just going through the game log. It looks like every game uh, for Tennessee. So, you know, one interception, 43 tackles. He's not lighting the world on fire necessarily. But for ASU, their linebacking core is not – their deepest position at all. You know, obviously you had Mitchell, you had uh, Travion Brown from Washington state. Um, Will Schaefer's on the roster, but you lose, you know, Sowell, Sowelli and Merlin Robertson from last year. I, I could be forgetting a few names too, but it's good to have another experienced power five level guy coming into the linebacking core. That's might and might still end up being their weakest position. Maybe with the addition of Mitchell, it's kind of flipped to uh, maybe defensive line or offensive line. That's their weak spot at this moment, but, you know, always good to add transfers, even if, you know, there's plenty of transfers that don't work out at all, but you'd rather take a risk on them than not get them at all. So Juwan would, bleh. so Juwan Mitchell, welcome to being a Sun Devil and let's hope uh, he can contribute in Brian Ward's defense. All right. Well, we have we talked about one great football name already. Uh, <laughs> we got another one, and that being Michael Butter Tolifson. Butter, just incredible. Ho hopefully, it's butter because he uh, throws the ball so smoothly. You know, smooth like butter. Uh... <laughs> okay, I just. That's a, such a bad joke right there. But anyway, he's a 2025 quarterback commitment, and he's a four-star from Southern California. 
I'll have to look up because in his Twitter uh, announcement, it said Vegas, but I, he's from, yeah, he's from J. Sarah Catholic in San Juan Capistrano, California. He was recruited by some big schools. Look, uh, Florida State, Arizona, Boston College. There was a lot of a lot of schools wanted this guy, and ASU gets in on him, gets in on him early. And I think what's important about getting a blue chip four star quarterback early on in the process is because he's a twenty twenty five commit. So he, you know, if everything goes to plan, it would be Rashada for the next few years after this season. And then Olafson the few years after that, obviously that's never how it actually goes, right? It, it doesn't just neatly stack up that way all the time, but that's, you know, when you're recruiting, that's the plan. Um, what's important about getting a high profile quarterback like him early on in the process, because he's a 2025 recruit is that a lot of these high-level blue-chip recruits, they recruit as well. Like, they they lift up the recruiting ranking because they, you know, as a quarterback, a lot of other recruits want to go play with them. And a lot of these guys go to the same passing camps or they play against each other in high school football. There's, um, there's all sorts of different ways, but... Having a uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? The word I'm thinking of, right? The word that's coming to my head is beacon, but that's not the right word. But ha- having a um, ha- having a blue chip quarterback is the cornerstone of your class early on can attract more talent. And so it's great that you're not scrambling to get a quarterback for the 2025 class. You've got that checked off. Obviously, he could decommit. You know, I, there's always that. Um, possibility but it's good that Dillingham got in on him early he's listed as a pro style quarterback and that's probably fair but I saw his highlights and you know he's not going to be the next Michael Vick but this guy can scoot he can he can move uh there's a one of the uh best plays I saw was him just outrunning a bunch of the defenders um in the open field and, and, you know, going in for a touchdown and, you know, sure it's high school football, but he was doing this, you know, as a sophomore last year. So um, it's just, it's just a really good start. And it weirdly generated a lot of buzz. Like I saw Dan Wetzel tweet about it. I saw a few national guys tweet about it. I'm kind of surprised by that just because, you know, there's a lot of schools that pick up four-star quarterbacks in the recruiting cycle, but um, it seems like, you know, uh, people are starting to notice what Dillingham's doing. So hopefully uh, Mr. Butter uh, is a smooth, is a smooth player and slices through defenses, um, you know, like a hot knife through butter. I guess that's not really the best uh, analogy right there, but you get my point. All right. Uh, only one more topic today. Not a whole, well, I, I would say not a whole lot of, news on the conference realignment front but there was the whole thing with san diego state asking to get out of the mountain west but they wanted their deadline moved back so they wouldn't have to pay as much but the mountain west said no 
So it looks like San Diego State is still going to have to leave it um, June 30th to avoid paying an extra fee to the Mountain West. We'll see how that goes in terms of the Pac-12 meteorites timeline. But I think at this point, everyone knows that San Diego State uh, is the logical you know, choice to join the Pac-12. And um, well, that's really it. It's the logical choice. I mean, they're you know, men's basketball and football has been really good over the past decade. Um, and I, I'd argue they're already a power five team. They're just in the mountain West. You know, they, I, they have the capability to adjust to being a power five team. So on that front, you're good. And obviously you're in Southern California, you know, this isn't like if, if you switch the athletic success of San Diego state and San Jose state, you know, it's not like you're adding San Jose, a school of San Jose State's athletic profile, but, oh, they're in, you know, this desired area, so we have to get them. No, San Diego State checks off both boxes. So there's really no, there's very few Pac-12 fans out there who kind of are against adding San Diego State. I mean, if anything, you need to add them so the Big 12 doesn't. So there's that. The other school that is rumored um, and really reported to be the second choice is SMU in Dallas. And earlier this week, uh, John Canzano, he's a report out of Oregon. He's very connected within the PAC 12. He reported that uh, there is belief that both of these schools will be invited to the PAC 12 and that they're both expecting an invitation, even though no formal invitation has officially been um, sent out. And so that is SMU. If the PAC 12, you know, gets its deal done and stays together and all that SMU will likely be the 12th member. And I just wish it was Boise state, Boise state. It, it fits so much better geographically for one. I mean, you would, you would have Washington, Washington state, Oregon, Oregon state, Boise, I, Utah, Colorado, Arizona schools and then the Bay Area schools. And it would just fit better. They've been competitive. You know, obviously they're not as good as they were uh, with Peterson and Kellen Moore. I mean, that's pretty hard for a, a, a group of five school to reach that level on a consistent basis, but they've continued to be a good 10 ish win team in the Mountain West uh, in the 20, you know, 2010s and 2020s but they haven't been quite what they were uh, at their peak. Um, but they just keep getting passed up for conference realignment. It just feels like the PAC 12 is allergic to them. Um, part of it is, you know, the snooty PAC 12 presidents, they like their academics, you know, they are, they are, they come from the academic world uh, and apparently, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert in all this, but apparently Boise state's, Academics aren't quite at the same level as the other Pac-12 schools. I don't like that that's being used to determine which teams get into a conference, but at the same time, that kind of academic snobbishness is kind of what keeps the conference together. So it's a double-edged sword. But the other issue is their media market. And again, I'm not an expert at this, but it seems like through this conference realignment process, the media markets still do matter, you know, even though it's not as big as it was in, you know, the 2012 range when all this conference realign realignment happened in the past and the big 10 added Rutgers in Maryland. Um, 
it's not quite as important as it was back then because of the way the shifting way that people view sports on television uh, from then to now, but it does matter. It clearly, it does matter. I mean, the big 10 added the two LA schools, you know? <laughs> uh, so, and Boise is, you know, it's a growing city, but compared to Dallas, it's, it's nothing, you know? And so, even though SMU doesn't have, you know, the full share of the market in Dallas, you know, it has basically the opposite of that. It still is in the Dallas market. So according to, you know, TV executives and have it all, how it all works, like that is very important. So it's just too bad that all this stuff is so important and that we can't just add Boise state to the PAC 12 because that would make so much sense. It's, they are the best, uh, athletic department that is on the table for the Pac-12 that won't be added. You know what I'm saying? So like BYU, you know, five years ago, it was probably BYU that was the best, but now they've been taken up by the Big 12. San Diego State was the best, but they're almost a lot to get into the Pac-12 as it is. Uh, they have the market. It makes sense. And then it's Boise State. I mean, they, they've been better than a lot of Pac-12 teams on the gridiron this past, you know, this past decade, I'd argue if you, if you swap them in for like Wazoo or Oregon state, not this current version of Oregon state, but the pre Jonathan Smith version, um, they would have been better than those teams or Colorado for this past uh, decade, or there've been some Arizona teams, some Cal teams have been bad. I mean, ASU last year. So it's just too bad that all this, extraneous stuff has so much impact on who just gets to play where, because if we were just doing it about like, who's good at football, Boise state would be in, they would be in over SMU. Um, and it's, it, it's just, it's just so annoying. Um, I feel sorry for Boise state fans out there because it feels like their, their chance has passed to join a big conference, you know, unless the big 12 adds them. But it doesn't – I haven't seen a bunch of rumors about that. I mean, who knows? A lot of the best conference realignment stuff happens when there's no rumors. But it's just too bad that the system basically does not reward Boise State more and has them on the outside looking in of the Pac-12 because I think they would be a better fit. I, I People might say, oh, politically they're different. I There's a lot of people from California and Washington that got there. They go to Boise State. So I'm not sure the average student at Boise State is like uh, like the average person from Idaho politically. I'm just going to leave it at that. But plus Utah's in the conference too. So I don't think that's a reason. I, it's just about market size and academics. And Boise State just doesn't measure up in those. And it sucks that that's why they're not getting into the Pac-12, whereas – SMU does have good academics and it does have obviously a huge market. Like I said, even though it doesn't occupy, you know, even 5% of that market share, just the simple fact of them being there is the reason that they'll likely get in. And if you're an SMU fan that you happen to stumble upon this video, it's not that I hate SMU or anything. Um, I'm fine with them, you know, getting into the conference. It makes sense. It's just, I would prefer Boise state. It just makes more sense to have Boise state and San Diego state 
as opposed to SMU. But one thing I do think that SMU will have an advantage, and uh, Kanzano mentioned this um, in his June 20th piece. It's, it's titled Money Talks and SMU is Knee Deep in It. Uh, I don't pay for a subscription of his, but uh, basically he spoke uh, he spoke with one of the people who runs their collective, the Boulevard Collective, and they, uh, the people who run that collective estimated that they would be, have the second highest NIL uh, power behind only Oregon. So if, if you're an SMU fan and like, you know, you, you want to get to the Pac-12, I mean, they could rise up in competitiveness very quickly just simply because they have rich donors and they can uh, just use NIL as a means to really climb up the standings. And I am not afraid of that as an ASU fan. And what I mean, and what I, what I mean by that is like, I'm afraid of it in the sense that like, it'll be harder for ASU to recruit against SMU, but I welcome it in the sense that the PAC 12 just needs more good teams and teams that have higher ceilings. Um, and SMU is clearly one of those teams just because of how much NIL they have. And it seems like they have a small but rich uh, donor base. So you have only you have like a oligarchy of people, for lack of a better word, um, pumping money into the the, the uh, NIL fund. And so, therefore, it's easier to streamline, easier to communicate. There's less cooks in the kitchen, um, and that could really help SMU. So I don't, I, okay, I don't hate SMU. I don't have anything against SMU. It's just, and clearly they could use NIL to work their way up in the Pac-12, but I just wish Boise State was getting in ahead of them. So uh, anyway, that kind of wraps up today's show. Um, hopefully, you know, ASU continues its positive momentum on the recruiting trail. And hopefully we'll have a lot of good stuff to talk about next week when Ralph and Colt when Ralph's on the show and Colton's back on the show, uh, you won't have to listen to me ramble into the screen for an, a half hour or more. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Um, like I said, please like, and subscribe, rate and review. And as always,